When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Hello, listeners. Welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you're listening to episode 304 of Sustainable Minimalists, a twice-weekly show about intentional and eco-minimalist living. On today's show, we are discussing the fundamentals of climate reparations. Oh, my Lord. Now, if that sounds scary or boring or just plain uninteresting to you, stay with me. I promise I'm going to make it fun. Fun is my middle name. Fun is my specialty. It's going to be fun. Now, before we get into all things climate reparations, I want to give you a quick background of my morning, and I promise my morning routine is all related to what we're discussing today. So I dropped the kids off at the school bus. We mercifully made it there on time. It was a close one, but I dropped them at the bus. They get on the bus, and I come home to make my breakfast. I put on the radio, as I do every morning. I listen to National Public Radio, NPR, here in America. First story right out of the gate was a story about rising energy costs and specifically how families in the United States struggled to pay their utility bills this summer thanks to heat wave after heat wave, air conditioning, cranking. You used to get the picture. You probably lived through the picture. And then next up was a story on how here in the United States, the National Weather Service's main heat alert system, which you probably know as the heat index, The heat index is falling short and causing the public to misjudge upcoming heat dangers. That was story number two. And then story number three was a story on Pakistan and specifically how massive heat waves, massive monsoons, and melting glaciers have flooded the country in recent months. Now, we're going to get into Pakistan more in a couple minutes. But my first thought as I was synthesizing these stories in my mind was the fact that all three of these stories, which aired pretty close to concurrently, have something to do with climate change. So climate change is pervading the news cycle as historically it has not. But three stories this morning had something to do with the effects of climate change. That was thought number one. Thought number two for me is that even though we are told again and again by scientists, by media outlets these days, that climate change is here. It's here. It's not knocking on the door anymore. It's not walking up the walkway. Climate change is inside sitting at the dinner table. (laughs) Even though it's here, no one's talking about it. No one is chatting about these major stories as they go throughout their days. Nobody's debating the major issues associated with the effects of climate change as they're eating dinner around the dinner table or going to a cocktail party. And because nobody's talking about these gigantic issues, no one's doing anything substantial 
by and large, and in my opinion. Talking about it, becoming aware of the problem is step one before step two, which is acting, doing something. So in many ways, it does feel like, despite the fact that this unwanted, uninvited visitor, which is, of course, the effects of climate change, even though this unwanted, uninvited guest is sitting at our dinner table, we are still living with our eyes closed. We're still pretending this guest is not at our dinner table. We're still choosing to ignore it. And so while, yes, while I know you are all tuning into this show, and while I know I am quite effectively preaching to the choir, so to speak, my goal today is to break down the headlines in an easy-to-digest format and in a fun format, don't forget, so that you leave this episode feeling 100% confident in your understanding of current climate events and current ethical quandaries surrounding global warming so that you will go out into the world, into your respective spheres, wherever you call home, and you start one conversation with one other person about what we're talking about today. We have a three-part show, two ad breaks, and an awful lot to cover, so let's just get into part one right off the bat, which is a quick recap of how summer went around the world. Now, of course, for some of my international listeners, it was not summer for you. You call it winter. I call it summer. We're talking about how the last three to four-ish months went. Here's a little spoiler alert. It didn't go so well. Here in the United States, a heat wave on the West Coast sent temperatures going way above 110 degrees Fahrenheit. 100 million Americans across the country suffered heat wave after heat wave. Floods ravaged part of the United States, including Kentucky and Missouri. I live in New England, and the heat waves were difficult, especially when my air conditioner went out on day two of an eight-day heat wave. That's the United States. Now let's talk about Britain. Maybe you recall that temperatures in Great Britain hit a record 104 degrees Fahrenheit. Droughts in Europe dried up rivers, which exposed sunken ships from World War II. Wildfires in Europe burned three times as much land so far this year as the average from 2006 to 2021. In South Africa, heavy rainfall back in April caused floods and mudslides that killed 45 people. Heat waves in China dried up rivers. And so we can't talk about the last few months without also getting deep into Pakistan, because Pakistan is feeling the worst effects of climate change currently. Pakistan first experienced major heat waves in which the temperature hit 120 degrees Fahrenheit, which, by the way, scientists have concluded that global warming increased the likelihood of this heat wave. And then after the heat wave, Pakistan experienced a major monsoon season, so the monsoons, along with rapidly melting glaciers, those two things together contributed to massive floods. A historic bridge in northern Pakistan collapsed after melting snow and ice at Glacial Lake released a torrent of water. And currently in Pakistan, one third of its landmass, so a third of its country, is underwater. Think about that. A third of Pakistan is underwater. Over 1,300 people so far have been killed. If you're a United States citizen, picture in your mind right now the United States, the geography, the shape of the United States. What would it look like if a third of the United States was underwater? 
what would it feel like if one third is the part where you live? Okay, so we got that visual there. We're talking about Pakistan, but we also need to talk about Pakistan's neighbor, India. And that's because the effects of climate change certainly do not abide by human-created boundaries between countries and continents, right? The effects of climate change know no bounds. India is home to a whopping 18% of the world's population, but it has emitted only 3% of planet-warming greenhouse gases. So the country has contributed historically to climate change quite little. But heat waves reached India as well, and a severe drought reduced the country's food exports. Floods in some parts of the country forced workers to ride boats and tractors to get to work. Indians have responded by keeping people home and in shelters as much as possible, particularly during the hottest hours, which tend to be the afternoon. So Schools have been closing early, businesses have shifted their work schedules, and for the most part, these measures have been successful. But of course, closing schools early, having businesses shift their hours, those actions have consequences. Students are likely learning less. Work is likely less productive. The heat is keeping farmers inside, which is stunting harvests. So crop yields are lower global food prices increased, et cetera, et cetera. So that's India. Let's go back to Pakistan for a minute. What have all these floods done to the country? Well, topsoil and existing crops completely wiped away. The country, according to experts, is facing food insecurity, famine, homelessness, interpersonal conflicts, et cetera, et cetera. It doesn't sound great, does it? And these effects of climate change are made worse by the fact that Pakistan is not considered a rich country. Their poverty is another factor because their poverty leaves them with fewer resources to adapt. So we're going to take a quick ad break, but when we come back, we are going to talk about the climate reparations argument. Stay tuned for that. That's the meat and potatoes of today's episode. We're going to get there after a quick word from today's first sponsor. Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet Home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. As the total destination for decor and furniture, Home Threads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven collection. They use many sustainable materials without compromising on style. And here's the best part. Home Threads always has the best value. It was time. After nine years of living in our home, it was time to replace our outdoor furniture. And my husband and I, we went to Home Threads. We have a Home Threads patio umbrella and a new bench. And oh my goodness, we are so in love. Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items and yet somehow 
we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch. They wear better than the cashmere sweaters that are double their price. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash sustainable podcast for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sustainable podcast to get free shipping and 365 day returns. One more time, quince.com slash sustainable podcast. And we are back. We are discussing all things climate reparations, and we're on to part two of today's show where we are discussing the argument for climate reparations. Now, before we get there, we need to all get on the same page. And the same page is this. Climate change is making severe floods more frequent and more intense. Scientists say that. Stephanie doesn't say that. Climate scientists say that. And the reason is because rising temperatures create the circumstances for more intense heat waves. Prolonged heat causes more frequent and more intense droughts and wildfires. And as it gets warmer, more water is evaporating from the oceans, leading to more moisture in the air, which then creates heavier rainfall and floods and monsoons and mudslides. Now, there is a paradox to the climate crisis, and if you've been listening to this show for a while, you already know what it is. Industrialized nations historically contribute the most to global warming and climate change, but the effects of such climate change are felt in developing countries often, which have contributed to the problem the least. Let's go back to Pakistan for a minute. Pakistan contributes to less than 1% of the greenhouse gas emissions, but is currently bearing the brunt of climate change's consequences. The Global South, maybe you've heard that term, the Global South, which tends to refer to areas around and south of the equator, the Global South is often the first place to feel climate change destruction. And again, because Such developing countries have fewer financial resources. They are less likely to be able to pivot, to be able to adapt, to be able to weather such consequences of climate change. Now, where do reparations come in? Well, again, we are still backing up here. Before we can talk about reparations in 2022, we need to talk about 1800. Humanity has emitted greenhouse gases through industrialization for more than two centuries. Those gases are already in the atmosphere. We put them in centuries ago. And those gases from 200 years ago are causing warming and extreme weather. Past and future emissions will continue to heat up the planet together over the next couple of decades, which again will lead to even more disasters. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're blaming China. You're saying to yourself, what are you talking about? China is the number one emitter of greenhouse gases right now, and India is among the top emitters. I agree with you. You're 100% correct. China is the number one emitter of greenhouse gases into our shared atmosphere right now, and India is up there as well. But if we zoom 
out if we take a cumulative or, dare I say, historical view of the greenhouse gas accumulation problem, who's really to blame? The United States has been emitting greenhouse gases into our, again, shared atmosphere since the Industrial Revolution. Now, I'm not sure of the exact year when we could say that we started emitting a major amounts of greenhouse gases. Let's go with 1800. Historians tend to say that the Industrial Revolution here in the U.S. started in the year 1793. But let's, just for the sake of round numbers, say that it started here in the year 1800. Okay, so we started cranking up how many greenhouse gases we are putting into the atmosphere starting in the year 1800. This also means then that we have had 222 some odd years to reap the financial benefits of industrialization. I'm going to let that sit because that's a really powerful statement. So I'm letting it sit as I still talk. But another way of saying that is that we have had the opportunity to get nice and rich for 222 years while also polluting the planet for 222-ish years. Letting it sit because, whew, that's a big one. It's important for me to state that the wealth that has been accrued in industrialized nations like the United States and like others, that wealth has been accrued through high greenhouse gas emitting activities. And so the question we're really asking today is an ethical one. Should industrialized nations that got really rich from industrializing, should they pay their fair share of the really big bill that Pakistan is now facing? This is where reparations come into play. Now, what is a reparation? Just so we're all, again, all on the same page, we all have the same baseline. A reparation is the making of amends for a wrong that's been done. It's usually done, a reparation is usually performed by paying money or otherwise helping out those who have been wronged. So in this situation where we're talking about climate reparations, it would likely be the U.S. and other industrialized nations paying money to help the people who have been wronged, which is Pakistan, because, again, Pakistan has contributed historically very little to the problem, but is facing very large consequences. Perhaps you remember from history class that Germany compensated victims of the Holocaust, and South Africa compensated victims of apartheid, and the U.S. compensated victims of Japanese internment during World War II. I could keep going and going. Yeah, let me give you a couple more. The state of North Carolina compensated victims of forced sterilization programs in the mid-1900s. The United States federal government compensated victims of the Tuskegee experiment. Florida compensated victims of the Rosewood race riot of 1923. So reparations are a thing. And again, reparations is an act of making amends for a wrong. Now, the climate reparations argument, which is really gaining steam, argues that the 1.5 degree Fahrenheit warming that we are so quickly approaching is cumulative. Industrialization came first to the United States and the United Kingdom. And so historically, we have contributed more to global warming than other countries. More than China, who is currently the biggest emitter. Don't forget, we've had 222 years by which to emit greenhouse gases into the atmosphere. 
And so Pakistan is indeed asking for and is indeed in desperate need for financial aid, for rehabilitation support, for help with the transition to green and cleaner technology. All of that costs money. And so given what we've just discussed, is giving Pakistan money, is that charity or is that climate reparations for our 222 years of polluting behavior? Big ethical questions on today's show. We're going to take our second and final ad break. And when we get back, we're going to do our exit ticket. We're going to get our homework. You're going to have your final words. Stay with me because I'm bringing it all together in part three. And we are back. We are discussing the climate reparations argument. Just to recap, in part one of today's show, we talked about how the last few months have been going from a climate change perspective. Hasn't been going so great. Then in part two, we discussed climate reparations, what it is. Does the argument for climate reparations have legs? That was part two. And now we're on to part three, which is I'm really taking this topic and I'm turning it around onto you. I've said more times than I can count on this show that I used to be a teacher. And one of the strategies that I used in my classroom was I employed something called a ticket to leave or an exit ticket, which meant that students couldn't leave the room. (laughs) They couldn't go on with their merry day until they completed their ticket to leave. And so today I'm giving you a ticket to leave, ticket to end this podcast, and I'm also giving you some homework, and then I'm giving you a final word. So on today's exit ticket, now, if you were in class, I would give you a piece of paper with these three questions on it, and you would answer them with a pencil. (laughs) But this is a podcast, it's audio content, so we're going to 2022 this, and we're going to do it verbally. So I'm going to ask you three questions. And as I ask you the questions, I would absolutely love it if you thought about your answer and came to a personal conclusion. So there's no wrong answer. No wrong answers. Question number one. So get ready. Here we go. Question number one. Do you believe that industrialized nations such as the United States should give money to countries like Pakistan that are feeling the effects of climate change most severely? I'm going to say it again. Do you believe that industrialized nations such as the United States should give money to countries like Pakistan that are feeling the effects of climate change most severely? That's question one. Yes, no, maybe. Question number two. Should such financial aid be labeled charity or should it be called climate reparations? Again, a repeat for those who missed it. Should such financial aid be labeled charity or climate reparations? And finally, question number three. It has been argued that countries along the equator and of the global south have not had the opportunity to profit from high greenhouse gas emitting activities, and they should be given their turn. So again, America's had 222 years to emit greenhouse gases while also getting rich. Countries of the global south haven't had that opportunity. Is it their turn now? If not... Do you think all high-emitting activities need to stop around the globe? So, one more time, that's a real big, tricky, thorny question. Do you think that countries of the global south, developing countries, do you think they should have the opportunity to profit from high-emitting activities, just like countries that are already industrialized have? 
Or do you think that high emitting activities need to stop around the globe? So that's your exit ticket. And now we're on to your homework. Your homework is what I alluded to in the beginning of this episode. Your homework is to talk to one person in your life about what you just learned today. Have a discussion, not a heated discussion. just a discussion. Remember, if we're not talking about this stuff, then we certainly aren't going to be motivated to act. First, talk to someone whose eyes might be wide shut, and then email me or leave me a voicemail and let me know how it goes. That's your homework. So talk, and then let me know how it goes. I'll also start a thread in our private Facebook group, linked to in the show notes, if you'd like to leave your summary of how your conversation went there. Now, I'm not going to let you go into this blind. I have some more resources for you because some people tend to find themselves triggered when global warming comes up. And so because of the quick to trigger nature, people don't bring it up and conversations often steer into touchy territories like politics or religion. Okay, so if you need some help talking about climate change with others, I have two episodes for you in the show notes, episode number 165 and episode number 143 to help you out. We want to have a discussion. We don't have want to have an argument. We don't want to get in a fight with anybody. We just want to have a discussion. Now, my final word for you is the very rich within our fortified and air-conditioned and cushy homes will likely be able to weather extreme heat and lack of essential resources and conflicts stemming from mass migrations for a while. But the rest of humanity will likely be left to duke it out because as is often the case, the poorest will likely suffer the most despite having contributed to climate change the least. Reach out if you need me. I will see you on Tuesday. We are discussing whether the circular model of consumption, so closed loop, whether that model is worth the effort. I will see you then. Have an amazing weekend and take care.